Hello and welcome to the Content Clearinghouse. I'm Josh Evans. And I'm Brett Chisholm in the flesh. On today's episode, we get together for the first time in person since this whole thing started. We discuss some of our own personal philosophies like life piloting and trash talents. We like to lift each other up before we tear each other down. Then Brett covers the excellent Amazon Prime series, The Boys. It's by far the most diabolical take on the superhero genre since DC tried to pass off Martian Manhunter as something they thought we might enjoy. So join us on a super, some might even say heroically dark episode of The Content Clearinghouse. Movies, shows, and video games, podcast books, and their acclaims. Let their favorite content become yours. It's The Content Clearinghouse. Content Clearinghouse. And it starts right now. Well, this really marks a special occasion, Brett. Yes, it does. I don't know if you guys can hear the difference, but Brett and I are sitting in the same room right now, which is, this is the first time we've recorded an in-person episode since the show launched. It feels good. And, <laughs> you know, I think we got to get our measuring tape out though. Oh, here it is. Oh, there it is Make right sure there. we got six feet. Yep. Six we feet are apart. being socially <laughs> responsible, everyone. Nothing but air between us. So how you been, man? I haven't seen you in person in forever since you don't have internet. We can't Skype. Yeah. I've been good. Yeah. How's the, good. Uh, how's the state park? State park is busy. <laughs> it's, it's really fun. I just wish it was about 20 degrees cooler all over Colorado. Oh, my God. It's been so hot. Oh, like my gosh. Roasting outside this year. Oh, it's terrible. But I'm having fun on the one wheel. That's uh, been awesome. <laughs> Brett brought his one wheel over to my house today, and I got to try it. And if I, as if I wasn't already sold on the idea of spending two thousand dollars on this thing, now I got to get one. It is so awesome, people. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy that you feel that way because I'm. Sometimes I'm like, man, am I overselling this thing? And then when I get on it and write it, like, oh yeah, nope, this is amazing. It feels like absolute magic. It's like it really is like a hoverboard. You know, like the the whole idea of there even being a wheel there started to disappear after a while. It didn't really feel like I was connected to the ground. Yeah. The way it balances. That's And that's how I feel about it. And what's cool about it is I've been taking it. Uh, so the state park is really like the perfect one wheeling environment, like smooth pavement. Uh, you get like some, some hills and some obstacles to kind of zoom around, but it's a pretty controlled environment. But I've been taking it camping on like pretty gnarly dirt roads, gravel, definitely not the ideal one wheel surface. Um, but it's been pretty fun. Actually, speaking of camping, I saw Steven and Megan, Atif and Lara. Yes. We had a bald eagle flying overhead about five times, getting a little, <laughs> getting a little boring <laughs> after the fifth time overhead. Try to be uglier, stupid bird. <laughs> uh, I also saw DV, Oh man, so it's, it's very strange. I feel like in the last fans of the show week, yeah, all fans of the show, yeah, that's awesome. And we appreciate it listening. Um, but I feel like in the last week, I've seen so many amazing people that I haven't seen in so long. So it's kind of interesting that 2020, I feel like, is the year that's maybe bringing us together. Well, just for me, maybe. I mean, this year <laughs> definitely brought us back together. I mean, that we, is true. we hadn't been hanging out at all for a at least the last couple of years. That is true. So it's really, that's yeah. very ironic that during this pandemic, all of 
we all get within hugging distance of each other. <laughs> I mean, six feet, people. We are six feet away right now. Yeah. So I do appreciate you bringing that one wheel over. You're welcome, buddy. Dude, that is so awesome. I knew you'd love it. So I wanted to start off today by playing something for you, and then we'll discuss. Okay. So I've got... Um, so this is from my good buddy, Jess. He's like one of my best friends in the whole world. So he recently got into video editing and what I'm going to play you is from an editing contest. So it is a contest in which you have to tell a story that takes place in pitch black. So essentially it's an audio editing project, which I imagine is kind of like a tough gear to switch if you are a video editor. But uh, when you listen to this, you're going to see like, he really does a great job of like capturing a story that happens in pitch black. It's really cool. The first time I listened to it, I was like, that was really neat. And then the, I listened to it three or four more times. I started getting chills because it's just like, it's very haunting. So what up? So you're going to play me a video from YouTube, but you're saying it's really just an audio file. You got it. Okay. <laughs> you ready? So glad it's being played in the proper format. Yeah. This is actually, this is the perfect place for this. Okay. All right. So, if you're listening at home, shut your eyes unless you're in your car. And or your then, one wheel. Uh, if you're on your one wheel, if you're moving on any kind of vehicle, keep your eyes peeled wide wide open like <laughs> uh, clockwork orange or pull over and stop completely so you can get the uh, the full experience of this. There you go. All right, here we go. Oh, so relaxed. I wish I could see Jupiter when we pass by. These hibernation tanks are pitch black. Wait, something's wrong. We're not supposed to be conscious during hibernation. The scanners aren't showing me as aware. If my tank is malfunctioning, the others might be too. I can't move. I can't speak or move. What's that? The ground crew. We haven't taken off yet. If I don't wake up, it's darkness and white noise for 17 years. We'll all go insane. They're closing the doors. That was awesome. That reminds me of locked in syndrome or like the, the eye zombie experience. But I mean, it's like straight up sci-fi. Dude, isn't that it, cool? It definitely tells the story in one minute flat. Yeah. So like, so uh, he sent this to me and then I liked it so much. I was like, dude, can I play that on the podcast? It's like the perfect thing for this format. And so he was like gracious enough to let me play it. It's already been submitted to the contest and everything, but like the, the rules were the story had to take place in pitch black. It had to be with within 60 seconds. And then from there, it's just kind of like, you know, you just go nuts and tell whatever story you want. But man, it's like, it's so haunting. It is such a good job of capturing that feeling of being like trapped in like a stasis pod or something. And like the float tank. Yeah. Just like the <laughs> horror of knowing, you know, like if you were on this like 17 year journey into space and knowing that you're basically going to be locked in the whole time, how scary that is. Ugh. So Definitely. yeah, I thought that was a really that's awesome, fantastic edit. Good and job, Jesse. I'm actually I'm really like, what is the contest for? 
who like who put this on? What do you win? Because um, I'm curious. I mean, that was think, so good. I want to hear the other um, submissions for sure. Uh, I can get the details from him, and uh, you know, maybe we can figure out and link to some of the other submissions. But uh, I, I believe he said the prize was like a, a Mavic drone. Oh, nice! So that's awesome. That's pretty. That's a pretty good prize. You get but 17 years in a float tank that's for the it. winner. <laughs> Free 17 years of isolation. The, the loser has to do has to experience whatever their submission was. <laughs> Just like the <laughs> shitty losers playing for 17 years while you're locked in. Yeah. So his yeah, uh, his YouTube channel is it's like criminally underappreciated. His uh, YouTube channel is uh, Scarton Morsese. So it's like Martin Scorsese, but switched around. Right. And he does, uh, we'll link to it in the show notes, but he does like, a lot of his edits are like these modern music mashups with like re-edited footage from popular films. So he has, like one of them is uh, a Muse song edited to like a, a shuffled around version of the movie Lucy starring oh. uh, ScarJo. Yeah. So, you know, you he's... You mean Jarlitz Gohansen? Exactly. You, <laughs> you really understand this format. And I think, you know, what he was telling me was that he started editing these kind of videos because he wanted to get better at video editing and editing to, like, movie footage and mm. popular music. It gives you a lot of content to work with, you know, really, like, high-quality content, like this just basically perfect footage and you can find like any number of disturbing scenes, whatever the feel you're going for. And his objective was, you know, to get better at video editing with an eye on, you know, maybe doing it professionally one day. That's awesome. Why why do we like dark stuff so much? Because I feel like our last episode was kind of dark. Our off top's kind of dark. My favorite piece of art in this room is the that monster uh, that I'm pointing to. Oh, that uh, is we called should. The Day is Yours and Yours is Also the Yours, which I drew and titled while I was eating uh, pizza toppings. I, so. I remember seeing <laughs> that piece of art a long time ago. I mean, it is definitely, uh, I mean, it's disturbing, but it's beautiful too. Maybe it's we'll like very intricate. Link that in the show yeah, notes too. For put sure. A, put a copy of it up online. You should put that on a t-shirt. I, like blown up. I would wear that T-shirt. That was actually what out. I originally drew it for. Was for oh, T-shirt, really? which just ended up never getting made. But that was definitely why I created it. That's awesome. But it kind of like that kind of leads into like the off top that I want to discuss. Yeah. So, um, so Jess's recent obsession with editing really made me start to think about like the concept we were talking last week in iZombie about the idea of the life pilot, and you know like. For anyone who didn't listen to the last show or if you need a refresher, you know, like the life pilot is our our crew, which we call the crew ball. It's kind of like our philosophy of what like a great human is. You know, it's someone who is very skilled at piloting this body through like the physical and mental realm of the world. And as you're do as you're doing that, you're acquiring skills which in turn make you better at controlling this vehicle that we call the human body. And you know, I found there's like a through line with life pilots and it's something that, you know, anyone that I consider to be like a role model of myself, I found that there is, there's this thing that I call a trash talent that kind (laughs) of comes through in a life pilot. So, you know, a trash talent is, it's like a, it's like a secondary or a tertiary skill that you have, which 
in your mind, you're just kind of like, yeah, this is like my throwaway thing. But then, you know, if you ever like busted out at a party, people are like, oh my God, how are you so good at whatever it is, playing the guitar? You don't even play guitar. You know, and I found that with with life pilots, they have these like trash talents because as you go through life, if you are very fascinated with the idea of being a human and like how to control this thing, which is basically like our interface with the world, you're constantly searching for new obsessions. You know, it's like Jess editing video or like, I, I don't know, I guess I used to do art, you know, so it's like something I don't really do much anymore. But it's, these are these things that you pick up along the way and you kind of like file them away. And as you're learning these skills, it's kind of teaching you how to learn and how to operate as a human. So whenever you, you meet your next obsession, you already have like this, this pool of abilities to draw on to help you learn the next thing. And yeah. so I found that like, you know, everyone that I'm like, man, this, this is like the coolest dude ever. When you really get to know him, they have two or three things that just like, it just blows my mind that someone could be like this great skydiver. And then they're also amazing at, you know, riding a one wheel or they're like a BMX biker or they used to skateboard or something that yeah. they never even talk about. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. You know, funny that you mentioned that seeing DV today, Derek V, he's just one of those people that really inspires me because he just like, he's just such a competent human. Like that's what I like think of as like a life pilot. And if there's any skill that I, that I think I have, it has been identifying like exceptional people and wanting to learn from them because I don't, I don't think that I'm necessarily like a life pilot. Like I remember us talking about this concept, but I feel like I have enough people in my life and that's why I, I, had this like close friendship with you guys and stuck to you like glue so that I could learn how to, how to be like a, I don't know, get into action sports and how to enjoy life to the fullest. Cause it was people like you and other Derek and Mike that showed me like how to be a good life pilot. I don't know. And it's something I'm still working on. And I, I actually, for me personally, I think that concept has changed a little bit for me. The concept and, of the life pilot a little bit. So here's what's changed for me. In the past, I used to think I was a mind controlling a body, like playing a video game character. And I think that that's where we came up with this life pilot concept. What's changed for me is mindfulness meditation is changing my perspective of my mind and body relationship. So I'm trying to foster more of an identification with just unadulterated awareness and I'm trying to quiet or at least distance myself a little bit from the strong sense of self, um, which I think you can get like through, uh, through activities. I mean, there's actually exercises where you can be walking and you can notice like you don't need a self to walk. You don't need a, a strong sense of identity to walk. Like your body does. It's like an autopilot. Yeah, totally. It's Absolutely. like when you zone out driving and you're just like, how right. did I just, how did I get here? I wasn't totally. even paying attention. And then if you bump into something, you can notice what happens. You know, oh, that guy bumped into me. Blah, blah. Here comes the self back, right? Mm -hmm. Here comes the like ego. Um, but, I, you know, kind of on that note, but on a different thread, I feel like our bodies and our minds are very well connected in a way that I totally did not understand before. 
I 100% until very recently thought I was just a brain that was like driving this machine, you know, this flesh machine around. And now I'm realizing like our nerves go throughout our entire body. Our body might be influencing our mind. Our mind is influencing our, our body in ways that we do not understand. And so I need to like be respectful of this, like interconnected relationship that they both have and you know start to like tune into the sensations in my body and not just like treat it like this like i don't know not a disposable machine or like it's it's kind of hard to describe but does that make sense at all yeah it totally (laughs) does yeah that's like i i i think when i was growing up i always felt more like like maybe the opposite like i always felt like i was a physical being and that kind of like my big challenge was to learn to harness the mental side of being a human. Mm. I felt like my physical side influenced my mental side. So it's interesting to see there's like a different take on it. But like what you said about like not considering yourself a life pilot, which I think is actually, I think that's part of being a good life pilot. You know, it's like the, as soon as your ego comes into it, the, you you start like your judgment starts becoming clouded. Yeah. You start to, you start to really like think you're greater than you are. And eventually that, that will cap you out totally with how good you're going to get at whatever it is you're focusing on. So I got, I don't want to turn this into the Brett hand job show, <laughs> especially since it's just an audio format. <laughs> but um, I would say that you're one of like the five or six most impressive life pilots I've ever met. Like you have, you have some of the craziest trash talents of anyone. I've I do ever, have a couple trash talents. You, flying jetliners. <laughs> what kind of trash talent is that? And also, you're like a, you're like a highly skilled and capable jazz musician. Which is, it's just like a, a whole other way for a human brain to be wired. It's it's the kind of thing that to me I I can't even begin to fathom how you make your brain function in a way that it will create music especially in a jazz format where it's just flowing from your fingertips. So I think you have like some of the, some of the coolest trash talents of anyone I've ever met. By one of my talents is uh, uh, that I do not have is not, I can't take compliments very well. So I can see you hiding behind the pop filter over there. (laughs) That's really nice of you to say. I I mean, um, I definitely think that finding things that you're interested in is probably really important for finding like purpose. And I am definitely on that journey right now because I feel like I've been knocked down a few, a few pegs in uh, life lately and I've made mistakes and I'm, that's an important part of it too. I think it's an important part of like becoming who you're really going to be. If you're just nothing but success, eventually you start to like buy into your own mythos. Right. And it's good. I think, I mean, you were there whenever I had some of my most spectacular failures being fired from the wind tunnel, Yeah, you know, and like, the things like that were they really like changed the way I approached my just driving myself through the world instead of like yeah. a just like a leaving a destructive path in my wake. I really started to be more mindful of like the people around me. Yeah. And the way I treated them. For sure. Well what are some of your trash talents? Um because well, you have a lot of talents, but I'm not sure what you would consider like a I mean, I, I'll, 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 I, there's one that I think speaks to just like your natural ability when it comes to 
anything with like proprioception or like a board sport or like, I don't know, anything with body awareness where you have to also flip that switch and just go for it and commit. And I remember Derek talking about this too. You guys were walking from the wind tunnel to Subway to get a cookie. (laughs) And then you're just like, and you had never grown up, you know, doing gymnastics or like sport. Like, yeah, but you also, I mean, doing a flip on a trampoline is a little bit different, but you just told Derek one day, like, I think I can backflip off this rock. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, okay, man. I go, all right. And you just busted out a back, like just a standing backflip, like in your 30s. I asked him, I was like, can you spot me? He was like, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. All right. Well, I'm going to try it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think just growing up the way I did with like riding motorcycles and skateboarding and all that stuff, like that just, that really shaped the way that I handle like physical activities. Um, I don't know. See, I, I don't know if I would even consider myself to be a life pilot because I just feel like there's so many things that I'm I'm not quite there yet. There's so many there's so many people that I respect that I I see like the success they've had. And I just I don't know I don't know I feel like it's just a, a constant process. Yeah, me too, man. You know we'll we'll get there when we're fifty, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, or maybe uh, maybe never feeling like you're there is the key to always getting better. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I I also like, here's another thing that's shifted with my perspective from the past uh, to how I'm trying to like foster myself now. And I don't know if this is related or not, but I used to use self-loathing as motivation. I don't know if you can uh, relate to this at all. And I was talking about this with my wife recently. Like I thought the way to better myself was to look at myself in the mirror and say, you're not good enough, right? Like if I wanted to lose weight, I'd look in the mirror and say, you're fat. Or if I was pretty rough. Yeah. I mean, I was really hard on myself and, you know, not, and I thought I was like, I had this effective secret for making myself better by belittling myself. But the older I got, I realized that that's just a recipe for shame and low self-esteem. And so now I'm trying to like have this appreciation for where I'm at right now and still have this desire and this curiosity to better myself, but not one that's driven by any kind of negativity. But that's it's definitely a good way to go. Absolutely. Man, because it's, it's like such a... It's like a, such a self-fulfilling prophecy and it becomes just like a like a snowball rolling downhill. You just like start picking up negativity everywhere when you do totally. that. Totally. Absolutely. I mean, your our brains are velcro for negativity, Teflon for positivity. I humans mean, are definitely like wired to feed into negative thoughts. Like when you it sucks to feel like when you see someone else fail and even though you don't want to feel good about it, you like get like this like evolutionary spike where all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is exciting. And yeah. you're like, well, I don't want to, I don't <laughs> want that. I don't want to feel good about that. It's okay. I mean, we are at the end of the day, we're, we, you know, we're just apes, but we also have the awareness. So we can look at that and we can, you know, try to learn from that. And, and hopefully we can realize like we're all the same, like everything you know, when you lash out at another person, you're lashing out at yourself. Totally. That's what I think, you know. That's a Brett in the mirror moment right there. It is. 
That's right. So yeah, that's uh yeah, the concept of the life pilot in the trash town is something that I've been obsessed with it for a long time. And you know, like start looking at the people that you respect and you're probably gonna find trash talents in them. <laughs> Things that they're so good at, they like their trash talents might overshadow like what some people consider to be like their primary skill. You know, yeah. it's like you might they might be better at their trash talent than the guy next to you is at the thing he's been working at for 30 years. And that's like, that's a life pilot right there. That's a life pilot. Yeah, I like surround that. yourself with life pilots. I like that. Get that trash talent juice on you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, speaking of trash talents, uh, I think one of uh, our primary talents is selecting fantastic content. Ooh. <laughs> and on the content circuit. Nice. Segway. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I've told you, I, I finally watched your Netflix action trilogy. Oh, man. That was great, man. And I, I had seen Spectral. Have we talked about this yet? Uh, that we I've touched watched? on it briefly. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. Extraction's a lot of fun. I'm pretty sure Triple Frontier was my favorite. Yeah. That was some good stuff, man. That's a great Netflix action trilogy. I think that... It's uh, a good talent you got. I think that Triple Frontier is probably like the richest as far as like storytelling and just kind of like the whole package for a movie extraction is amazing, but it's kind of like a one trick pony. It's just like, it's really nothing but action. And then spectral is like, I think it takes just a, a slightly different uh, preference to be into it. Cause <laughs> it is like pretty like crazy out there. Sci-fi, which is just right up my alley. Totally. So, but yeah, as far as like overall appeal, I think that uh, triple frontier is by far the best of those three. Yeah. That's good though, man. That the, see you you have such a way with words too. You not only select the best content, but you know how to convince people to watch them. So that's what it's been on Full my content. On my content circuit is just things you've recommended to me. Uh, hey, that's uh, <laughs> that's exactly what the show's for. And like we said last week, you know, like we want to know if the show is working for you guys, the listener. So if some of these recommendations have really like resonated with you guys like contact us on facebook or instagram at the content clearinghouse send us a message uh contact us on our website cchpod.com or email us at content clearinghouse at gmail.com and if you want we'll read your message on the air just put a little note in there um on my content circuit uh so have you seen or read the expanse i have familiar with that yes have I have watched show? it. Oh yes, God. I have not read the books. So that, that the, the show is based on the books are actually recommended to me by my friend Chris, who is he was one, another one of like the uh, the inspirations for this show because he and I would always trade books mm. and content back and forth, and the Expanse was one that he recommended to me. Which I'm sorry to say, Chris, but the books did not really grab me as much as. I was hoping they would. They were good, but I only got about three books into it. But then when, once the show came out, I realized like this is actually what I was looking for in the books. Mm-hmm. Like the expanse. It's very good. It's so it's uh humans have become a spacefaring uh spacefaring people and there are people that live on the inner planets, Mars and Earth, and then there are people that live in the asteroid belt, which are called the belters. And it's interesting because like the people that live in the belt, 
you know, they're, they have like elongated torsos and mm-hmm. they're not used to Back problems. Yeah. Like if they yeah. come to come to a gravity, well, one of the ways the, the inners will tor- torture the belters is just hanging them by their armpits in earth <laughs> gravity, which is like the most torturous thing that can happen to them. Yeah. So they really like put a lot into like the, the, the hard sci-fi aspect. For and sure. then, you know, the, the, the space battles and the way that, the way they generate gravity in their ships, which is with, they call it Epstein Drive, which is a very unfortunate name <laughs> these days. But it's like a, it's like an energy drive that can create constant thrust up to one G, so they can essentially create one G of thrust as they're traveling and have normal gravity in their in their ships. Mm. So like all of that, that sci-fi is really awesome, and that show is just. So good, Billy. It's really good. It's one of the best things out right now. It is. I think so. I think the Expanse and Altered Carbon are like the two, I don't know, contemporary sci-fi shows that are like neck and neck for me. Like I loved Altered Carbon season one, but I don't know. The yeah, Expanse season is one so was the best for sure, for sure with Altered Carbon. Yeah, but season two, you know, I was I was hooked on that one too, and it wasn't yeah. really even the the best thing. For sure. Nice, man. Some more some more good content. Some there. more sci-fi. Yeah. Check it out. All right. Well, you want to take a quick break? Yeah. All right. And then after that, we'll get into some content. Ooh, content. The Content Clearinghouse is brought to you by Best Maps Ever. They make checklist posters for outdoor adventurers who want to see it all. If you want to visit every national park in the United States, climb every 14er in Colorado, or ski every slope in New England, Best Maps Ever posters are the perfect way to track and inspire your quest. Every map is lovingly designed with icons marking each location so you can stick a pin in the icon or color it in with a marker as you check off the areas you've been to. They offer mounting and framing services for maps that are ready for pinning right out of the box, or if you prefer to mount the map yourself, there are tips on the website to help you with that. They have a slew of maps relating to protected areas and public lands like state parks, national forests, and even more obscure maps like the National Wild and Scenic Rivers system. So Josh, one of the maps my wife and I have mounted in our camper is the National Parks map. Now it's covered in pins because, well, you know, Bree and I get around. And Best Maps Ever makes our gallivanting around the country even more fun because we can put a pin in the map to prove that we've been there and done that. No one could ever cheat that system, Brett. Well, it is on the honor system. Best Maps Ever does not employ any sort of pin-related security system that will come to your house and check and see if you've actually visited the places you've pinned. (gasps) Since you brought it up, I have uh, the skydiving drop zone map hanging up in my office. It's one of the few decorations I have that's not celebrating one of my many athletic achievements. In fact... It's hanging up on the wall right next to my world's most humble man trophy. For all your cartographic needs, visit bestmapsever.com. They've got the best maps ever. Clear it out. Welcome back to the Content Clearinghouse. Brett, what <laughs> kind of amazing show are you talking about today can i just say i love being in your nerdator what, what do you say how do you say it the nerdarium nerdarium i always yeah. say it's a nerdatorium it's uh, all right it's a word i made up so it's understandable that yeah. you might not get it right well i just love it in here i like to surround myself with 
cool toys and pictures and whatnot. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of awesome whatnot in here. I like uh, <laughs> any direction I look. I want to see something cool. Yeah. If I'm doing like graphic design, I want to have like inspiration on every single wall. So I we like got that. best maps ever maps up above our head. Got a drone wall, some skydiving pictures, a bunch of Action transformer figures. toys. Yep. Yeah, cool stuff in every direction. Um. Well, this is this is the perfect place to talk about this because I this is something that you also love, and of course you introduced this show to me. You sick fuck. That's how I do. <laughs> that show being the boys. Whoo! Another Amazon classic. Oh my man. god! Another one. So I can't wait to hear your take on this. Yeah, I I will give you credit for the adequate warning you gave me. The way that, and the funny thing is, this is how you sold it to us. I think you texted Mike and I, and the way you sold this gem of a show <laughs> was that you you said you watched this scene that had the most shocking and disturbing thing you had ever seen on screen that was like so twisted that you just couldn't believe it was on a show. Do you know what I'm talking about? And we're not going to talk about that scene. There's like because I don't want to spoil two or that. three of those in this show. There's, there's several. Yeah. But do you know the one that I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, we're not going to spoil that. So before we get started, um, this episode is going to have some spoilers. Now, if you have not seen The Boys <clears throat> and you absolutely hate spoilers, you can turn off this podcast and you can go watch The Boys. I get it. But remember... The point of this podcast is literally us as contentologists doing our best to get you all, our listenerologists, <laughs> to check out the content that we love. Send twenty four ninety five to the Content Clearinghouse, and you can get your official listenerologist diploma. <laughs> it's it's real. It Become is. a listenerologist. It's as real graduate. as contentology. Um, so in that spirit, I. You know, I'm not going to go deep into the plot. I'm not going to spoil the crap out of this. I hope that you respect those guidelines because, you know, if you haven't seen The Boys, I want you to listen to this episode and then I also want you to watch this. So I am going to talk about the premise. I'm going to talk about some of our favorite scenes uh, and then some of the favorite characters, but that's about it. There are so many twists and turns and just hilarious moments in this that, um, in my opinion... Nothing that we talk about is really going to spoil this insane, dark work of genius. All right. I can't wait to hear what you got, man. Yeah. And if also, if you have seen The Boys, you should watch it again. The Boys Season 2 is coming out, and I'm rewatching The Boys. It's fantastic. So We should keep a The Boys counter. Maybe we can boys. knock uh, Yuval Noah Harari off <laughs> yeah. his high horse as the most mentioned thing on this show. So the Amazon description, um, straight out of the Prime Video menu, it says the boys is an irreverent Ding! take on There's what? One. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> continue. Scratch it on the desk. Yeah. Um, it's an irreverent take on what happens when superheroes who are as popular as celebrities, as influential as politicians, and as revered as gods abuse their superpowers rather than use them for good. It's the powerless against the super powerful as the boys. Ding. <laughs> I did that one for you. Nice. Embark on a heroic quest to expo expose the truth about the seven and their formidable Vought backing. Now, I would describe this show as the most realistic take on the superhero genre ever. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's like the, what's that saying that like, 
power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Exactly. It's that that is like the whole concept of the show. Totally. And I think like the idea, especially with the way humanity is known to be, that if you <laughs> if you were just like a literal superhuman, you would almost think of normal humans as just like ants. They wouldn't even a certain point they wouldn't even register on your radar. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't it's not like you would have this intrinsic Superman mentality where for some reason you you would value human life the same way that we do. It's so important to us because we live like this mortal existence. Right. So well yeah, said. I think it's very it's I think it's very realistic. Super I do too. Humans would be villains. <laughs> right. Totally. So, I mean, that pretty much sums it up. Now, it's interesting because before The Boys, I thought that I had seen some gritty, some down-to-earth realistic interpretations of superhero content. You know, we're talking Nolan's Batman trilogy, Daredevil. Are you a fan of Daredevil? Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. But uh, really, neither neither one of them are real superheroes. They're like humans with like some heightened abilities. That's true. Um, absolutely. So, but you brought up a really good point with a Superman character. So, you know, this idea of a Superman character that's watching over us, protecting us, fighting the bad guys. I mean, it's it's popular for a reason. I mean, it is comforting to imagine that if this superpowered Jesus-like alien happened to end up on Earth, well how nice he just happens to be a totally human looking tall handsome white guy who chooses to dress in patriotic colors and doesn't even fart he's such a goody two shoes how convenient how convenient you know this makes me i think we mentioned it before in the show but there's another really interesting take on that it's called red sun which is mm. a superman story where superman lands in russia oh yeah we have talked about this it it's uh it's another really it's like a peek behind the curtain of just how like, I don't know how like blind we are right. to what Superman actually is. Because, right. you know, in the story, he's only that way because he was raised in, you know, small town, Kansas. And he yeah, had like the totally. American way instilled in him. But you can really see with Red Sun, like what he would be if he was raised in, you know, like a socialism yeah. or, you know, like under a dictatorship or something. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, very interesting point. Now, so Superman has never really been on my list of realistic superhero stories, but even Batman, which I think Nolan's Batman interpretation is probably like considered the most down to earth, but it's still not realistic in the sense that if you consider what you would do, if you had an unlimited bank account and you were a stud, go skydiving. I mean, you wouldn't be fighting crime every day. So it's, it's ridiculous. So that's what the boys really explores. You take a randomly selected group of just run-of-the-mill people. I mean, people like us. You give them these crazy superpowers. I mean, you would not get rise give rise to these wonderful, helpful, selfless heroes. You have all the drama, deceit, narcissism, greed, corruption, and problems inherent in the human condition. But now some of them are extremely powerful, and this would be a very bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, the people that were would be chosen for this certainly wouldn't fall into the zero ego life pilot right. category. They'd probably be a bunch of assholes to start with. 
So let's talk about the opening scene. I mean, it's it's one of the first moments in this, and I think you it's when you realize like this is not your grandpa's MCU <sighs> feel good blockbuster. So this extremely likable character that you just you know you just met her and you're starting to connect with her. And right off the bat, she is atomized into blood spatter <laughs> and so, chunks of bone. So twisted. And that moment sets up one of the plot's threads where we find ourselves seeing all this insanity from the perspective of just an average, non-super, non-vigilante, just ho-hum kind of dude, uh, Huey. He's kind of a Brett type, if I'm be honest with you. He really is. <laughs> he kind of is. Yeah, when I was watching, I was like, this is the Brett character. A little bit. Yeah. Well, he's the the Brett in this show, the boys, is expertly played by Jack Quaid. And I mean, he's the kind of guy that's, that's like, Hollywood's Brett. <laughs> oh boy, Hollywood's Brett. Hashtag Hollywood's Brett. Ooh. So see now this next sentence I'm about to read for my outline is gonna feel really strange. So <laughs> Are you about to you about to talk about how awesome he is? No. Oh. So Huey is the kind of guy who's uh, too afraid to ask for a raise. Oh. And has probably never done anything extraordinary. <laughs> Hollywood's Brett. And he gets he gets sucked into this world of impending war between these superhero assholes and the eponymous boys. So um, in this universe, there's many super abled people. You've got these washed up has-beens, you got the local hometowners, and you got these publicly known or these not publicly known corporate spy types. So you got all these backstories and storylines, but really the superheroes that are the most prominent are the seven. Now, this is a nod to the seven original members of the Justice League: Green Lantern, Flash, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Martian Manhunter. <laughs> <laughs> surprised that one never caught on yeah haven't heard of that one now if the justice league was fruit and then you left that fruit out on your counter to rot you'd get the homelander black Ooh. noir or noir queen mave a train the deep Ugh. translucent and starlight now starlight is someone like huey she starts off with all these good intentions kind of naively uh, joins the seven thinking it's going to be, you know, her ultimate dream that she's achieved. And she realizes that this sparkling facade of the Vought company's multi-billion dollar superhero industry is not what it seems. So Starlight is played by Aaron Moriarty and is almost immediately sexually assaulted by one of her fellow soups, The Deep. And that's straight out of the comic too. Yeah. yeah. I, read the, I read the comic when I was a kid and I was... I like read that page and I put it down. I was like, I'm, uh, I'm a Mormon. I shouldn't yeah. be reading this. <laughs> I'm a, that was probably your first <laughs> moment of, that was my breakaway moment. Your breakaway moment. Like I like reading graphic stuff. It makes me <laughs> yes. feel terrible. Yeah. I don't want to have all this guilt associated with awesome comic books. <laughs> so, um, the deeps superpowers are breathing underwater being able to communicate with fish and dolphins. So stupid. Doing really good dives, uh, being attractive, I guess. And of course, being a complete and utter creep and rapist. He totally is. Now, once again, this scene is a reminder that this is adult content. Like this is not this is not messing around. 
And considering the ongoing scandals in the entertainment industry, the horrible reality of sexual assault that happens every single day in real life, it is pretty unbelievable that this pivotal and graphic scene exists. And not only is it shocking and disturbing, it is also incredibly engaging and gripping. And like every single moment in this show somehow has this strong undercurrent of incredibly dark humor. And don't get me wrong, there's definitely nothing humorous about sexual assault. But the horrifying, realistic scene, is it's this setup, and I realized that our real world is the punchline. So when I was watching The Boys for the second time and trying to figure out how I was going to talk about this particular piece of content... I realized that this was almost, but not quite, satire. It's like an extremely disturbing parody that's not quite a parody. But it's not a parody of the superhero genre. It's a parody of American life in 2019, and it's using the superhero genre as the canvas. It really is, because it, you know, like when they wrap it in that superhero patina, you can can really get away with like shining light on things that you might not want to, you know, broach otherwise. Like, totally. like, it's like a sexual assault like that in what's essentially like a corporate structure. You know, it's, that's kind of like the story we've all heard a thousand times where, you know, it's like, it's like the story with like Harvey Weinstein in Hollywood where 100%. you're just like, you know, the woman is in this position of, a position with no power, like their entire future rests on whatever, you know, this like creep male figure decides their fate will be. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they're like hit with some sort of sexual assault like this, where you, you know, you just feel like you're trapped in a corner and that's totally, it, it's, it's totally like a statement on, I, I mean, it's like, it's kind of like a little bit before the Me Too movement, but it was kind of shining light on that. Extremely prescient, yeah. for sure. And, you know, going a little bit more in depth in that particular scene, too, Starlight, like, she's in this power dynamic where the Deep kind of pretends like he's Homelander's, you know, number two. And he's saying that her future is up to him. And he got a lot of shit when, you know, he first got there. And this is how they kind of do it around here. And then, of course, it kind of kind of it like sets up this this like opportunity for Starlight to later become empowered. And it kind of like you see that the deep really isn't the number two. He's also he's kind of the fish guy. You know, it's and you see like his struggles with the therapist and some of the best scenes are actually the deep talking to his like therapist or psychiatrist about all the like problems in the ocean. Do you remember that at <laughs> yeah, all? Totally. Oh my God. Yeah. He's like such a, such a lame dude. And it's, it, it's so, it's such a great character though. It's so much like bullying in the real world where it's like yeah. people that, that bully like that typically have like the, you know, unhappy personal life where they feel like they're constantly under attack. So like take it out on people that they consider to be weaker than them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very it's very realistic. It is very realistic and that's you get Disturbing. to see you know it's it's the issues like that are not black and white. Like you get to see all of the nitty gray area with all of the different characters, all these different power dynamics, struggles 
and you know this these disturbing moments um so you get this exploration of the darkest aspects of humanity our real life humanity today and i mean it's unfortunately very recognizable and that is what is extremely entertaining about this and it's also extremely funny but it's also extremely dark and speaking of dark uh what would happen to our beloved and iconic superman if superman was dark as shit oh man <laughs> and this is a bit of a spoiler but you f- you figure this out pretty quick watching the show you would get the homelander if superman was dark as shit and so in the beginning you think he might have kind of risen above this like scummy superhero world from the boys they kind of allude to Homelander as being a saint. They kind of talk about him as like this untouchable above this crap. It's like that- a forward-facing persona where he like really <laughs> tailors what everyone thinks about him. 100%. And all of Vought is so dedicated to creating this image of all the superheroes, but especially the Homelander. Uh, he is the strongest soup that we know of. He can see through walls, which is real creepy. He can fly. He's got laser laser eyes. I mean, he's basically Superman. <laughs> this is stupid. But laser he eyes. is <laughs> it's so dumb. He is a murdering psychopath. He is literally the scariest being on the planet. He really and is. No one really knows that except the seven who are all experiencing their own traumas or personal mental health challenges. The boys are titular vigilante team of misfits who have taken it upon themselves to kill or at least expose the soups for what they are. And of course, Vought, Homelander and the Seven's talent agency. Yeah, pretty much. Is that much. a good term for yeah, that? Yeah, like the, they like manage the superheroes. Yes. Yep. Um, so you got these super abled people with all the problems of your average celebrity monetized by a corporation who now dom- dominate entertainment and social media. <laughs> And you got the boys. So really quick, I want to talk about some other incredible cast members. Uh, Elizabeth Shue plays Madeline Stilwell. She is awesome. Oh, my God. The casting in this show is so good. Carl Urban, Billy Butcher. He's the best. He's the best part of the show by far. He carries the show. I mean, nobody plays Judge Dredd like him. Yeah. I mean, I, I still feel, though, that this has got to be Carl Urban's best role and i love dread but in dread he's like he is kind of playing like like a faceless mm-hmm. stoic statue basically right but which you know it's really good for what that movie is but i feel like in this he's playing like as close to him his real self as he could be is he you know, that is he that much of a troubled badass i don't know life? but it just seems so <laughs> real it just seems like he's not even acting most it of the really, time dude it, he really shows off his acting chops in this show just just to see the fantastic acting you should watch the boys i mean this is like some hbo level it's show. diabolical mate <laughs> good one and then of course anthony star plays the homelander and he, I mean, this, this is expertly played as well. I mean, he just his smile it's so creepy. creeps me out. Looking through walls, man. Looking it's through the walls. The creepiest things I've ever seen in a show. So, Homelander looking through walls. <laughs> Are you talking about the scene where he's like looking at the poster of yes, himself? Look- oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, he's just admiring himself. Yeah. And the truth is actually creepier. It's so creepy. So... Uh, one of the themes that I think is like 
I don't want to say pretty obvious, but I feel like it's pretty obvious. And I think you've kind of circled it a little bit. I mean, I, I don't think it's just representing humanity. I also think it's specifically representing the entertainment industry. What do you think about that? Definitely. I mean, one of the, a couple of the scenes that kind of support this theory. So when the deep is in, in the therapist's office and he's, he's talking about dolphins, he makes this passing comment that he's the diversity hire. And he really is. I mean, that's, he's, you know, he kind of hits the nail on the head. And also when Starlight kicks these two guys' uh, asses for trying to date rape a girl in the alley, and then it's this whole, like, PR nightmare for Vought, right? And Starlight, like, she's the one that's trying to be the hero. Like, she's trying to save a person. And these, you know, this situation, just somebody was filming it, it's this like horrible thing, but then when one of the vic- you know the victim comes forward, all of a sudden it's great news. There's a marketing team that can you know manufacture this story, and and so you get these two dudes mansplaining to her w- what her life is. <laughs> oh my god! And you just like you once again, Starlight is kind of the Huey of the soup side. You're you're experiencing this world, and I kind of feel like this is what it's like for like a new actress. Or a new actor, they just got to LA, they're, you know, young and they're beautiful and they're excited and they just realize like it's not <laughs> what it seems. It's like there's some really dark shit going on. There's some really like crazy stuff happening behind the curtain. I was have to sell your soul to get whatever your dream yeah. is. And and so it's I don't know, like it's it's amazing to me that entertainment is kind of creating entertainment that's a, a you know a reflection of itself yeah it seems it's bound to happen eventually because it's like the people that are making this stuff are by far the experts on what happens behind the scenes and you know it's I, i'm sure not everyone's okay with it yeah so eventually you know you're gonna get like stuff like this that's written in a way that's just you know totally like shining a light on what that industry is like and it, it somehow gets past all the all the corporate guys and gets made and you know i think it's like part of like what great art is is that you can have all these like different undertones and you know it can be evaluated one as like a straight superhero show and it can be evaluated as you know a lens into just humanity's own dark side and they can also be evaluated another way as a peek behind the curtain of the entertainment industry and how twisted it is and things like me too right totally so that's pretty much I have on the boys. I mean, this is superpowers meets human nature. These are not heroes. These are entertainers. Um, It reminds me also a little bit of what K-pop artists probably go through. So I know we touched on a lot of different themes, but I think you will enjoy just the the tone that I, I know it sounds dark, but the tone doesn't feel that way. It's very engaging. It's very entertaining. It is graphic. It is gory. It does handle and, and t- um, tackle these very difficult subjects, but I think it handles them with the responsibility that these subjects deserve. So that's all I've got. This is something everybody should check out. Unless and, you're a child, <laughs> yeah. If you're, don't, don't check it out if you're a child. I I think it. Should, I think this one is 21 or older for Definitely. sure. Definitely, you can't watch the boys unless you can drink. 
because <laughs> you'll need to take the edge off after the show. <laughs> I think it's so amazing. Like I know that Amazon gets a bad rap. I mean, it's like you can't be a billionaire in this world without basically being like one of the worst humans there that has ever existed. But Amazon, like as an entity and like what they do with prime video for contentologists like us, like it is, it's crazy that I've seen things on Amazon that I just like, I can't believe are available to me in the palm of my hand, like the boys. Yeah. Or like that vampire movie that I recommended afflicted. Afflicted. Haven't seen it yet. Dude. It's like they have just, the, the most amazing content. The Expanse is also on Amazon. Yeah. So Amazon Prime is like one of the best investments I've made. We don't work for Amazon Prime yeah. yet, but uh, just like all the content they have available is, I like more than get my money's worth every single year with that. Yeah. And I, you know, I think you kind of talked about it. Like if, if you have this separate entity that's a little bit more outside of Hollywood or they can be, you know, you can fund these things, you can produce these things that maybe wouldn't have gotten the stamp of approval from Harvey Weinstein. I mean, you get some really quality original stuff that, you know, explores things you've never seen before in Hollywood because they might have just not the right culture to explore art like this. I mean, I remember when Netflix first started coming out with their own content and I think, is it the Emmys that celebrates TV shows? The award show, I think it's yeah, the, I think it's I the think Emmys. It. But I, I, if I remember correctly, they were they were like nominated and won for all these awards, and they were booed and like nobody, you know, they were like the first like production just company. See the future, they could not, you know. And guess what? It is the consumers, it is the listenerologists, it's the contentologists that define, you know, what we spend our time watching, and it is quality shit quality dark ass stuff like the boys that i'm gonna spend my time watching and i hope that more stuff like this gets made yeah i can't wait for season two when does that come out it might be out already oh my god i just haven't seen it yet (laughs) Ah, all right well i'm gonna start pounding through that i guess yeah (laughs) poor choice of words there josh well (laughs) i've never claimed to be a orator (laughs) So, Brett, this is awesome recording in person, man. We got we got to make this happen more often. This is definitely what podcasting is meant to be. And I love that we get to record remotely, but dude, anytime you're down here in town, we got to get together. We can race one wheels. We can. I will have a one wheel soon, people. I'm a little over halfway. Yeah, a little over halfway. Yeah. I'll have my one wheel soon. Perfect. It's all that ad revenue from uh Content Clearinghouse. That's it. Yep. Make a Just, lot of money uh, on this show. 30 more years and I will have a one wheel. <laughs> well, thanks to all the listenerologists that are <laughs> listening to the Content Clearinghouse. We really appreciate it. And please share the show with your friends. We really need that word of mouth to grow. Uh, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at the Content Clearinghouse. Also, CCH Pod. You can find all of our episodes there. And uh, yeah, if you have a message you want to let us know that you like the show you like some of the content we've been recommending email us at contentclearinghouse at gmail.com or contact us directly if you know us so thank you everyone for listening and we will be right back here on your feed next week